1: They didn't call it Christianity yet. They called it the way. And the reason that they did that is that Jesus had referred to himself as the way, the truth, and the life. Do you remember that passage where they had a discussion, I'm leaving and where I'm going you know, and, and one of them, I think it was, was it Nathaniel said to him, I, what are you talking about? We don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. If we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man can come to the Father except by me.
0: Christians will always experience opposition from the world because Satan is the ruler of this world. As Pastor Robert continues teaching from Acts chapter 19, we'll hear about the opposition that Paul and his companions experienced. Yet even in the midst of hostility, God is with us and we can experience his power. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you. Our web address, podcast subscription information, and our contact information. Now here's Pastor Robert in the book of Acts chapter 19 with today's message.
2: Acts chapter 19
1: is the focus of our study today. We've been working our way through this, the book of Acts, that is, for several weeks now. As we looked at this last week, we focused on verse 21 of chapter 19 where we're told that Paul purposed in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem and then on to, to Rome. And we discussed and kind of went into a little bit of depth about following the Lord Jesus and being being led, having His direction in the details of life. And, and we talked about the fact that as Christians, we're encouraged by the Lord. We're actually told that you know if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, then you're really not a child of God. I didn't say that the Word says that. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you're not being led by the Spirit, you're not His. You may be philosophically a Christian, but you need to really, really question whether or not you're going to go to heaven when you die. Because the Bible says those who are His, those who are sons of God, those who are children of God, are led by the Spirit of God. It's it's His plan that's being worked out in your life and and you're doing what you know to do to follow. And we talked about how we agonize over that sometimes. And, and if you weren't here and that's something that you struggle with, as many of us do, then I encourage you to get that tape and, and listen to it and take some good notes. But as we pick it up in verse 22, we find that Paul sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus. But he himself stayed in Asia. For a time, so he's planning. He's he's got it in his heart. He's got it in his mind to go on to Jerusalem, but not just yet. He's he's sticking around for a little while longer and uh, sending Timothy and Erastus on ahead of him. Verse twenty-three says, "About that time, there arose a great commotion about the way." Now, if you didn't already know this, that's simply a reference to Christianity. They didn't call it Christianity yet; they called it the way. And the reason that they did that is that Jesus had referred to Himself as the way, the truth, and the life. You remember that passage where they had a discussion, I'm leaving and where I'm going you know. And, and one of them, I think it was was it Nathaniel, said to Him, I, What are you talking about? We don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. If we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man can come to the Father except by Me. And went on to explain that to them. So they the, the early... Believers referred to following Jesus as the way. And what we're being told here in verse 23 is that all of a sudden there was upheaval. There was a great commotion in Ephesus about Christianity. Verse 24, For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. In other words... This guy, a silversmith, one who made stuff from silver, which I don't, another little footnote here. In those days, all of the money was privately made. There was no federal mint, you know, or anything like that. There wasn't like the, what what would they have called it, the federal mint of Rome? I don't know. They didn't have that. And wealthy people would simply hire silversmiths to make coins for them. And it's fascinating when when you look back at history and realize the way they did some of this stuff. For example, you know, we have all kinds of different denominations, right, in our coins. Pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, you know, the little gold dollars that nobody uses, right? In those days, the way they would do things is like, let's say, you know, you had a coin this big that was worth a dollar. You know, what you were buying was only a quarter. Take out a little chisel or maybe the merchant would and just cut a quarter out of the coin. And that's how you did that. And you were left with three quarters of what you had, and this guy had a quarter, and that was the way you did business. So the silversmiths made all kinds of things, including money. But this guy, it would seem, focused on, made most of his income from making these little little silver shrines to this Ephesian goddess known as Artemis or Diana. And uh, it, it can be confusing sometimes when you're you know looking at the ancient the pagan worship and stuff the names would you know sometimes overlap and and, and many times um, you have a bunch of different names for the same entity or the same demon if you want to be blunt about it. In this case we're not talking about the Diana that the Greeks worshiped, which was this pretty you know graceful beautiful figure. This was actually a fat, grotesque, multi-breasted, you know, like 30 breasts on this little round black object that they worshipped there in Ephesus. But as we talked about over the last couple of weeks, the, the temple for Diana, or Artemis, was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was a beautiful, massive temple there in Ephesus with 127 marble pillars around the outside of it, all inlaid with gold and precious jewels. And they were extremely proud of that thing and and apparently made a lot of money off it because we're told here that that this guy Demetrius made these silver shrines of Diana and, and it says brought no small profit to the craftsmen. Verse 25 says, "...he called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. If you can make it, you shouldn't worship it. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised. Well, see, that was a big big concern because this thing was a tourist attraction. Again, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. People came just to see it because it was so magnificent. And he says, you know, not only are, you know, it's not buying our little shrines anymore, but they're not even going to come look at the temple before this guy's done and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. Now, when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. Now, I'd always been told, I'd always understood that an amphitheater was the half-moon-shaped theater, you know, with... Uh, the, the stage down in front and a theater in the ancient world was was uh, oblong or circular or whatever, but it was all, the seats were all the way around, and then you had the area in the middle. But that's actually backwards. The amphitheater was the one that the seats were all the way around. The theater was the one that was half moon shaped, and the one in Ephesus would seat historians say about twenty five thousand people. It was massive. Twenty-five thousand people. That's a lot of people in one place. Now, these guys wanted Paul because it was Paul they were mad with. You caught that, right? They're upset with him. He's ruining our business. But they didn't see Paul initially. They did see a couple of the people who were traveling with him, Gaius and Aristarchus. So they grabbed them. They bring them into the theater. Verse 30 says, when Paul wanted to go in to the people, the disciples would not allow him tells you a little bit about his character that he didn't want them taking the heat you know for his message and what he'd been doing he wanted to go in and come to the rescue but you know his disciples wouldn't allow him initially they held him back and then verse 31 says some of the officials of Asia who were his friends sent to him pleading that he wouldn't venture into the theater tells us a little bit more about what was going on in his ministry in Ephesus because these Asiarchs as they were known were officials of Rome And they were there representing Caesar. In these days, Caesar was worshipped as a god as well. That was like an official religion. You could worship anybody else. They didn't care. You could worship as many different gods as you wanted. But Caesar needed to be one of them.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited. God has been doing some amazing things with Main Thing Radio. Opportunities to air Main Thing Radio are popping up all over the United States. We are so thankful to God for what He is doing, and we would love to see Main Thing Radio continue to expand, sharing the gospel, teaching God's Word all over the world. But of course, bringing you Main Thing Radio on this station comes at a cost. We purchased time on this radio station, and this program has been professionally produced. While we certainly don't want to pressure anyone into giving, we would like to ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Main Thing Radio. Your support will open more doors for Main Thing Radio. To make a secure donation, please log on to mainthingradio.com and click on the donate button. Now here's Tracy with some information about the Main Thing Radio podcast.
1: Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God. Subscribe to the Main Thing Radio podcast to enjoy messages like you heard today, anytime, anywhere. Simply log on to MainThingRadio.com and click on the podcast button.
0: Thanks, Tracy. Join us next time for another edition of Main Thing Radio.